Howdy folks, this is Chris White and you're listening to Basic Business Advice. This is the last in our summer series that we're doing a deep dive into each one of our speakers areas. And today we're going to deep dive into Ken Hostetler's area on the concept of negative thinking and looking at the perspective of dwelling on what might go wrong in order to be prepared so it doesn't or you avoid the damage of it as much as possible. But let me introduce the panel again to you. We have Ken Hosteller. He's a partner at Equus and former business owner in the community. Jordan Mullet, who's a partner at the Ruby Group, Sandler Training, and co-owner of the Berlin Escape Room. And Dan Owalabi, who is uh, heading up Branches Worldwide, Owalabi Leadership, and author. Uh, you've Earlier this summer, you probably heard from Jordan uh, a little bit on the sales training. If not, go back and listen to that episode. You've heard from Dan on authentic leadership and whether or not it's a buzzword or something that can really, truly affect your leadership abilities. And now you're going to get to hear from Ken. Ken is going to talk about something today uh, that uh, is something lawyers do all the time. But before we get there, I want to mention that this episode is sponsored by Launch Law. You can see more about Launch Law at launchlawinc.com, I-N-C.com. Launch Law is a DIY document platform for anybody in Ohio to access basic legal services and documents to design for themselves whenever and wherever they are. Again, that's launchlawinc.com. So the title of today's episode is The Parade of Imaginary Horrible Things. Ken, I'm going to come to you in just a second with kind of teeing up this, but for all of our folks who didn't go to law school, the parade of imaginary horrible things is actually a concept they teach us about in our first year at law school when we're learning how to draft contracts. And the simple rule is this, as a lawyer, try to parade out every imaginary horrible thing that can go wrong with your client when you're drafting a contract, and then try and draft the contract to minimize all of those horrible things or exclude them, which is why many times when you ask an attorney, well, what do I need for this? The answer is frustratingly so. Well, it depends. So Ken, you're in a unique position because you do a lot with small businesses in our local community. And you're there often at the very beginning of these small business journeys. Somebody's had an idea, somebody's partnered up with somebody else, and they're coming in to see you and often they're very excited about the possibilities for where their business is going. And without ever attempting to be a wet blanket, why is it so essential for them to maybe step back at that time and look at why this might not be as great as they hope it is? Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you know, it's funny, even before I went to law school, my family could tell you that I can be, you know, kind of a negative guy sometimes. And so maybe that's why I enjoy being an attorney so much is uh, it's, it's not that hard for me to drag out the parade of imaginary horribles. But before I get into the answer, I, I wanted to actually read a quote from someone who passed away yesterday. His name is Donald Rumsfeld. No political <laughs> statements with that. Uh, some people uh, may remember him uh, with fondness, others not so much. Uh, but he said something that always stuck with me. He said, there are known knowns. There are things we know that we know. There are known unknowns. That is to say, there are things we know we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns. There are things we don't know we don't know. 
And I think that's so true when we're looking at starting a business or anything along those lines is we have all of these kind of risks that we know about. And then we have to like come to peace with and, and understand that there are a whole set of risks that we don't even know that there is. And that's pretty scary for some people. So some people come in and, and they want to start a business or, you know, they, they want to uh, become an entrepreneur. And they look at it as like, oh, you know what? Rose-colored glasses. I feel 100% positive that I'm going to start this. I'm going to be successful. Uh, you know what? It, it's, it's just a matter of me putting some energy into this. And man, I, I am not worried in the least. I got this. I am, I am 100% going to be successful with this. I have other people that come in and they're much more in that doubt stage. They've got this, well, you know, I think this is a good idea. I've read that maybe about half of the businesses aren't successful. I'm really not sure. I'm not willing to put too much, you know, too many of my assets, too many of my uh, eggs into one basket. I think I can be successful with this. And so the, the next kind of step for both of these people is trying to figure out, okay, well, what can happen? So let's say you jump into this. Let's say you, you start a business. Uh, what are you willing to put on the line? What are you willing to do? How many of these known things that we do we need to be concerned about? And how many of the unknown unknowns do we, do we need to talk about? So that's really the, the first step that we, that we need to get started. And my job is usually to try to talk them through, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? Exactly what you started this conversation with, Chris. What, what is the thing that we need to parade out there and say, hey, you know what? If you do this and there's no coming back, are you okay with that? Uh, so that's really the starting, the starting process with this. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'd love to hear you guys have questions and feedback about, about that process. Dan, Jordan, you both, as Ken was reading off his quote and surprising us all with the, the depth of his knowledge of Donald Rumsfeld's uh, speaking, uh, you, you, you both were like, whoa, <laughs> with that. Where do you come out with this? Where do you come out in the sense that the essential necessity of taking on the negative to be prepared for avoiding it? Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah, I can. I, as he was talking there, I have to be honest. I own many sets of rose-colored glasses. They have served me well. But it is true when you rolled that out, talking about the unknown unknowns, it immediately set me back on my heels. And I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh my word, what am I missing? What am I not considering?" Uh, I think it's such a good thing. And having a person in my life like you that has that critical thought of being aware of that is huge. And I have gotten myself in trouble many times as a leader, as a business owner, when I haven't considered those. Yes, yeah, so I, I think I'm still just staggered <laughs> thinking about the unknown unknowns. Dan, yeah, I, you're, you're our big leap guy. You're our big go for it, leap for it. You've said it before in the past. Where does this sit with you? Where does this sit with you, the unknown unknown? Well, I, I like it a lot. I mean, I like the way that, that Ken phrased it, because I think ultimately, even at the highest levels of government, there's a lot of risk and there's a lot at stake. Lives are at stake. Nations are at stake. Generations are at stake. And being able to map out, just like Donald Rumsfeld did, map out like everything 
that you know, everything that you don't know, and then everything that you don't even know that you don't know, like all that stuff makes perfect sense. But ultimately, you know, at some point you have to make a leap and you have to say, okay, I'm going to find resources on the other side of this leap that I don't have right now. And I think over and over in history, I think what you find is that people, when they make that leap, they find resources that didn't exist while they were doing the analysis. But the analysis itself at the beginning is so critical and so helpful. And that's why I like that Ken has that framework. I think that makes a ton of sense. What I would really like to hear is when Ken thinks it's appropriate to make that leap, like when he thinks it's inappropriate versus when it's appropriate. I would love to hear a scenario that kind of paints that picture. Yeah, and that's a great question, Dan. I, I think for me, it's what's at stake and what are you willing to risk? And I've, we've talked about this before. We've talked about risk. And so much of the, the business startup stage is saying, okay, am I sacrificing a steady job? Am I taking out a mortgage on my home? Am I, you know, name X, Y, and Z that there's no coming back from? And that the ironic part is, that we all fall into different camps with this. We all say, you know what? If I lose my steady job, if I lose my home, if I lose X, Y, Z, some of us are going to say, yeah, you know what? I'm okay with that. You know what? If, if there's a pandemic like there was in 2020, that was an unknown, unknown, I'm okay with that. I, I, can, I can hang my hat on the fact that, you know what? I made that leap. I tried. I fell short. That's okay. There's some people probably where I fall into more is saying, you know what? I'm okay with some unknowns, but I'm not okay with saying I could lose everything to an unknown unknown. And so it's different for every person. And that's part of walking through that thing is saying, okay, what does this mean to you? We don't want a scenario where every person gets talked out of being an entrepreneur. We don't want a scenario where everybody gets to be 60 years old or 70 years old and they say, man, you know what? I always talked about starting that business, but I just couldn't do it. I absolutely could not take that leap. On the other hand, if every person would just be like, oh, you know what? I, I don't care what I lose. I'm going for it that also creates a lot of instability. And so it's finding that right balance and what's right for every person and creating that framework for figuring out those answers. Ken, Ken, you said something so interesting there that it reminded me that when we look forward, especially those who are entrepreneurial minded, we tend to overestimate what will happen. We tend to be very optimistic about what will happen. And I think that's something that class is widely classifiable in the entrepreneurial mindset of, I can do this and it will be awesome. <laughs> and it is so hard because, and this is something I want to come back to you with a question on, and Jordan and Dan, you can still jump in on this too. If you are functioning in an essential role of trying to ensure that your clients or your people you're talking to simply advising are thinking about the parade of imaginary horrible things. What is the difference between being a dream crusher and somebody and, and just realizing that this is an essential role of helping this person prepare? What, is, what, what would be the nuances there? 
I don't think there's a lot of nuance there. I mean, if you're an attorney, I think by definition, you're a dream crusher. Isn't that what happens? Isn't that how that works together? <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's only in third year class, Dan. That's a third year class that they teach us uh, that. Oh, gotcha, 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 <laughs> gotcha. Yep, yep, yep. Ken, what do you think? What is it? What, but what is it? Because there is a point where you're not, well, you just said, you don't want to hold people back, but you want them to be prepared. Absolutely. And I, I think that this speaks to the core as to why so many people who start a business are not necessarily always the best people to lead a business forward in the future. Because oftentimes it takes someone who says, you know what, I'm going to put a lot of time and energy and, and all the resources I have behind this to get it going, to get it off the ground, to get that, uh, that plane in the air. But then that level of risk needs to start coming down and down and down over time for a lot of these businesses because they can't take that same level of risk as they did starting out. So I would say that, you know, there's in the startup stage, really in those first five years, there are times that people have to take risks that maybe myself or another attorney would look at and say, hmm. I don't know if that's really the best move for you. Uh, and that's hard to say because they have to have the ability to get, to get going with the business. As the business matures, we want to try to continue to de-escalate that risk as much as we can. So that's what I would say is in, in that early stage, somebody has to be able to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the business going even if it means that there's some risk and we, yes, we do the planning that we can, but we've got to get it going. So let me reframe this for you then, Ken. Are you saying because you're aware 50% of small businesses fail, you're trying to help them be the ones that don't? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's my hope for everybody who walks through the door is that their idea is the one that sticks. They're, whatever they're pursuing, that's the one that is going to beat those 50% odds. Because Dan and Jordan, you guys actually get the benefit in your careers and your professions where you're coaching, where you're doing sales training. You're working with the companies that it did stick. You're working with the companies that have made it past that threshold. How many of them that you encounter, do you see the imaginary horrible things being essential? And this is an honest question. Maybe you don't see that being something they deal with at all or are prepared for and they just got lucky. But what do you see that analysis and looking at what could happen, even in a not positive way, influencing the people that you work with? Yeah, that's a great question. I think on my side, I think oftentimes what I'll see is people will take risks, but the larger their company grows, the smaller um, degree of risk they're willing to take because there's just so much more at stake. And so I think opportunities for the people that I work with to take major risks and take major leaps of faith are there. But I think oftentimes it's the, it's the fear of losing what they built that really holds them back. I think people who are meeting with Ken at those early phases, I mean, they've got everything to gain and almost nothing to lose a lot of times. And what they need is just good planning. They need to assemble the right resources before they leap so that they can actually be successful instead of just trying to assemble it while they're in the air. And so I think Ken is very helpful with that. But on my side, you know, really my job is to help them see the value of taking appropriate risks oftentimes and sort of rallying a team around them so that they can be successful and ultimately take that massive risk and grow their company because of it. 
Jordan, I see you, you just, you, you're looking so intensely at this whole concept. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I'll be honest here. What's going through my mind is, you know, he's asking, you asked that question and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, how many times do I do this? I don't think, I don't, I don't lead a lot of parades of imaginary, horrible things. I do own rose colored glasses. And so I'm just trying to think how to apply this to my businesses, to all the scenarios that I'm in. And I think this is such a great, I guess, speak to that, Ken, as a person that's not used to doing this, how, how do I apply this principle? You know, you learned this in college. Can you give me a couple nuggets here of how to, how to go about doing something like this? Sure. So step one, completely change your personality. So <laughs> no, no, please don't do that. You're, you're awesome. Just the way you are. Uh, really what it's, what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, okay, what are things uh, that we should be worried about? And so, you know, let's, let's take the escape room, uh, for example, you know, what, what are things that you should be worried about? Well, what about if, uh, the, the tourism industry in Holmes County, you know, completely dries up. Or let's say, hey, you know what? Let's say there's a pandemic that lasts for several years and you're looking at this like, wow, you know what? We, we can't have anybody in there. Uh, so, you know, it's just creating some of those scenarios of, okay, what could potentially happen? What does that mean for my business? What should we do to prepare for that, if anything? Um, and then taking the appropriate steps from that point forward. So. I don't have any, you know, great, hey, this is just a silver bullet. If you look at this, um, you know, you can, you can think a negative thought type thing. But it does mean that you intentionally look at something and say, okay, what, what things should I be concerned about? What are things that, you know, may be a potential issue down the road? I want to channel my inner Dano lobby here for a moment. And I'm going to throw a punch real quick. What if you said to people this, if your dream vision for this is not strong enough to stand up to the criticism and critique of what might happen if it fails, it probably isn't worth doing. What are you guys' reactions to that? Because what you have a fear of, I think, at the beginning of so many adventures, uh, whether it's entrepreneurial or doing something new and unique out there, is don't criticize this because I don't know if I'll still want to do it. That mentality that you can't be criticized somehow and, it, uh, and be preserved. But what about the flip side of that? If it can't stand up to criticism, what's the likelihood that it's actually going to be successful? Chris, I love that. I love that in every way. I remember when we first launched Branches Worldwide, the nonprofit that I lead, I took this like uh, two-page document that explained what it was to like as many millionaires as I could find. And I was like, okay, do you think this is a good idea? Just because we're investing in business leaders and stuff. And man, I think I, my God, I got my butt handed to me like 75% of the time when I walked out of those meetings. Like, they're like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't donate a dime to this. I wouldn't invest any money in this idea. It's terrible. And then being able to reiterate, kind of rewrite the thing, go back to them again and say, how about this? Now, how about this? Getting to the point where they're like, okay, now you got something. That was an amazingly helpful process. I mean, that built confidence like nothing else. So I, I love what you're saying. You can't withstand the criticism. And if you can't iterate because of the criticism, then maybe you shouldn't get started in the first place. Jordan, Jordan, yeah, you, your, your rose-colored glasses here. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to knock them off your face a little bit. <laughs> what, where, do you, where does this land with you? I, I agree. I, the, my mentor always told me, you can't be undercover and on the rise at the same time. 
that as you can, as you lift up your vision and you start to do things differently, there's always going to be people that are going to come against you. And as, as, as many people that will come alongside you and encourage you when you're down, it's a lot more difficult when you're actually doing things right and you're succeeding, you're taking risks. The amount of people that are going to say something against you is probably exponentially, I don't know how many times more um, than the people that will come beside you. So it is a valid point is that if, if, it's a, if it is a real dream worth withstanding, you'd have to be able to withstand criticism. You have to be willing to, to take it to people. I'm making note of that. 75% of the people told Dan that he's wrong. I, I would like to meet these people, right? I've, I would never tell Dan he's wrong. That is scary to me. Like, you better not. You better not tell him. That, that's just crazy, right? Maybe that's the difference. That's probably why he didn't take it to me in the first place, but uh, that's a good point. Once you do it once, Jordan, it's pretty easy. So just just that one time, and then from there on, you can tell him that he's wrong all the time. Ken, so. <laughs> can, I know a lot of people that you do come in contact with in the early parts of these processes. The vision is strong, usually. It's usually a lot to carry them through. Where, how do you approach trying to help them in that moment with having thought about and preparing them without throwing that wet blanket out, without just coming in and saying, let me punch your thing in the face a couple of times and see if it stands up. How do you balance that? Yeah. So there's a, there's a few things. Uh, one, you know, we try to lay out a little bit of a plan oftentimes of what they're attempting to do. We look at just from the legal side, we look at the risk and we say, okay, well, how can we minimize that? Uh, just from a practical standpoint, how can we make so that uh, you're not as concerned about some of these issues? Uh, but the other thing that Dan mentioned a little bit ago that I think is so important that gets overlooked over and over again is so many people uh, that look at being entrepreneurs and look at getting started uh, with a business have, the, the in my mind, the, the best gift that anyone can have is that they have very little to lose. And what I mean by that is they are in a position in life of where they can say, you know what, I'm going to try this. And if it fails, I'm going to be okay. Because what we, what we all learn as we go through this is the more we have, the more difficult it is to take those types of risks. And so that really is one of the, the, the biggest thing that I can do to encourage people is that oftentimes they have the ability to have a huge upside with not that much to lose. And so that's, to me, that's really important and really helpful to people when they look at it of, okay, well, if I try this and it doesn't work out, it's okay. I've got other opportunities. Well, to everybody who's listening here, I think the point to drive home is this have a realistic expectation of what could go wrong, right, Ken? Look for those ways that this could go off the rails and then say, how can I prepare for that? Or how can I just accept that reality and move things forward? And if anybody's listening and you're like, hey, I've followed, find myself falling a little bit more in Jordan Mullet's camp where those rose-colored glasses have just grown into my head and sometimes I'm missing those things. Uh, seeking out people who believe in what you're doing and believe in you, but are willing to say, like so many did to Dan, I'm not going to participate in this, and this is why, and this is why you need to change, is essential 
getting that imaginary horrible parade set up and letting it walk by you and taking the time to look at those things are essential to future success. Because for everybody we're involved in as a panel, we want people to be successful. And sometimes that means optimism. Sometimes that means jumping and leaping of faith. Sometimes that means sitting back and going, boy, if I go down that path, it's going to take me in a really painful direction and altering things before we get there. So if you're listening to this and you need somebody to create an imaginary horrible out in front of you, you can find Ken Hostetler uh, on equus.law and you can call him and say, Ken, give me the bad news. And I'm sure he won't hesitate to, to unload that on you. But whatever you are, Listening to this uh, program on whatever platform it is, I'd like to encourage you, please like, subscribe to this platform, share this episode out to somebody who maybe they need some encouragement to look at all the opportunities, positive and negative, for whatever endeavor they're on. And for the panel, for Ken Hostetler, Jordan Mollett, and Dan Olabi, this is Chris White, and we want to thank you for listening to Basic Business Advice.